Okay, so welcome everyone to the first ever Cascade podcast. This is episode number one, season number one. Hopefully there's going to be many more episodes and seasons after this, but I am seeing where this goes and if I can provide value to anybody listening to this, I'll be a happy man. So without further ado, we have the first ever guest on the podcast, my very, very close friend. Um, and this for me is a very long overdue chat. So I'm really grateful to have him a part of it. Uh, Lucas Scarf, um, welcome to the show, boy. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, so yeah, super grateful to have you here, bro. Um, so let's let's just dive straight into it because this is going to, I'm going to try to keep this as basically as transparent as possible, mm-hmm. unfiltered as possible, um, and we can just see where this takes us. So tell me a bit more about yourself um, and where you're from, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'm from Australia. Uh, and I'm from the Northern Beaches in Sydney, more specifically Newport. Uh, I've grown up here all my life. I'm 18 years of age. And throughout that time, I've moved around the Northern Beaches. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Because we both, we both knew that I, um, I, if anyone doesn't know out there, I actually immigrated from South Africa when I was about seven, five years old. So I'm yeah. also, I'm not Australian born, but I consider myself mainly Australian because just I've been raised here for most of my life. Mm. I mean... We were both on the Northern Beaches beaches for so long, it kind of took us about eight, ten years to find each other, but we finally did at school. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so we both actually, so you started, which school, which primary school did you go to? So I went to Sacred Heart in Monteville, and then when high school started, I went to Marta Maria in Warrywood, and I was there from year eight to nine. Yeah. And then uh, an opportunity opened up at St. Augustine, so I moved in year nine. And I think that's also... Yeah, yeah, because I, um... Yeah, because you were saying different primary school, and I also went to NBCS, with Northern Beaches Christian School, with some kids probably hearing this also know it, um, up in Terry Hills. And then I moved to St. Augustine's when I was just in year 10. Mm. And... I remember when you came in. Yeah, yeah. I remember. You were the new kid. (laughs) Yeah, I was a new kid in the block. Um, And that was actually an interesting time to change schools. But I think for me, if I look back on my personal growth and everything is one of the best decisions I've ever made. Mm-hmm. I went there for basketball, but just as a, like myself, as a person, I grew so much more, um, mostly from meeting yourself. Mm. Um, Likewise. But yeah, I actually remember the first, like one of the first English classes, I was sitting in the back, sitting in the back room and you were in the front chair with a fat, like silver watch on. And I was like, who is this kid sitting in the front of the classroom? <laughs> gotta keep it classy. Yeah. Gotta yeah. keep it classy. Yeah. So I remember that. And that was like the first time. Um, but yeah, that's um. So we both came to St. Augustine's. We graduated together, mm-hmm. and that was awesome. Um, that's where it began. Yeah, it literally began in St. Augustine's, and back to St. Augustine's in a sense is that I also remember when I was still there, you had a business that you were running. Yes. And that business specifically was a car cleaning business. Yes. So would you can you please tell me a bit more about that sort of business? Of course. So I think that was kind of what really connected us because it kind of was yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a beacon for you. And, and myself to kind of realize that we were both kind of interested in the same thing. So I started a business when I was 11 and it was kind of a, a an idea that was born in, in, in the car actually on the way to drop my sister to her first job when she was about 14. Um, and I was 11 at the time and she was, we were sitting in the car and dad was going, oh, you know, are you excited for your first day, Ruby? Are you excited for your first day? And she was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in the back and I was going, how much are you going to get paid? How much are you going to get paid? And she said something like $11.50 an hour or something like that. And I just sat back in my chair and I was like, I'm not having that. So I think 
that afternoon, Luca Clean was born. So as Aiden said, I started a car washing business. Um, and so pretty much from that afternoon onwards, I started immediately going home, developing marketing material, which was consisting of <laughs> A4 pieces of paper printed out of our printer at home and chucking some equipment into, into a wheelbarrow and rolling down the, rolling down the street. Yeah. Um, and just knocking on doors, which was, you know, one way to do it. And yeah. I, I absolutely loved looking back now. Um, at the growth and where I've come yeah. and, you know, being able to tell the story is yeah. just absolutely fabulous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause you'll probably so agree is to tell the story and the journey is like the best part of it all. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. The best part by far. Um, yeah. and I had a similar experience as well cause you also know this already. Um, I did college myself and, but that was at my dad's company office and we used to go there once every, every school holidays and we used to rock up 500 cop car garage underground yeah. my dad used to send out an email to the entire staff saying the boys are in town and washing cars and we used to clean out like all of the staff um clean their cars and we made like i think it was like a hundred dollars in a day and that for us that was like massive. sweet money that was like huge money yeah um but that was definitely a massive thing for me mm. and yeah i know it's probably like one of the biggest things that i wish i stuck with because yeah. I then moved to like the next flashy object and shiny object and passive income and all this yeah. other stuff. But I respect you for staying with that foundational service-based business that separated you from, in my opinion, like everybody else that tried the next flash thing and didn't, didn't get that far with it. Yeah. Um, you stuck with it. So yeah. Um, plus the side fact, all of your relationship you got from that. So absolutely dive into that, sir. So where I live on the Northern beaches, you could say is quite a wealthy area. Mm. Geographically, it's a line of very, very wealthy people and very beautiful houses. Mm. I'm not saying that I came from any wealth whatsoever, yeah. but I was surrounded around it yeah. and I am a car lover myself. So essentially what I did when I started was I decided to only target nice cars and nice houses. Mm. And in doing so, I started to accumulate a huge client base of very wealthy people and very nice cars. Mm. Um, in the first instance, it was great money and I loved washing the cars and I didn't really think too much of that. And that was around 12 to 13 years of age. And then when I hit about 14, I kind of started to realize that the, the, there's a connection between these very nice cars and these very nice houses. You know, the people mm, yeah. that own these cars must have done something very significant to be able to achieve this caliber of car, right? Mm. So I started to understand that and as this came about, I realized that I wasn't in this for the money anymore. I was here for the connections and the relationships. Yeah. And so once that kind of clicked in my head, my business model completely changed in the way that I saw my business and the way that I saw it developing. Um, so essentially from 14 to 18, my mm -hmm. business essentially was established completely on word of mouth. My client base exceeded 100 to 120 people. Mm -hmm. Um, at one stage, I had three employees, which was <laughs> yeah. interesting during school, um, but it was really nice to have a go. Yeah. It didn't last long because I, I was at a stage in my HSC where it was required too much time. Backstory, what's an HSC quickly for anyone that's not Australian? A high school certificate. It's yeah. essentially our big end of year 12 test, our, yeah. end of, our end of school graduating test, which determines apparently university yeah inverted yeah. commas yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so essentially 
I operated this car washing business from 11 to 18, which is about seven to eight years. And in that time, I met an absolutely incredible amount of highly successful individuals with wealths of knowledge. Mm -hmm. That was really great because I was able to take so much value from them as well as making some money on the side. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I completely agree with that in a sense. And I know you probably could also say for yourself that even though the cash was very, very good in that time, and um, I also have a bit of an understanding how good that was mm. for that certain age bracket of like 14, even 16, mm. where you had your close friends that were making minimum wage on the Australian dollar mm. when you were making a lot, lot more for a fraction of the time. Mm, mm. And I think when it clicked for me that it was more about the value and the intangible value and and, yeah. and the knowledge that I was receiving, everything kind of clicked and it kind of made me appreciate people and it kind of taught me to understand people and less about the money and how to understand and move people. And that people aspect of it, I feel like that major um, connection that you have with these clients of yours, what developed in my opinion as I watched you grow, the person that you are and how your people skills, how you, yeah, just your communication skills. Mm. Um, and that was solely backed, backed off your client management. And mm. I saw you manage some very, very um, high profile people mm. um, from that. And yeah, I um, that was the biggest thing that I kind of like got from you in, in regards to that and how it wasn't even about the money. The money was nothing compared to it. It was what the relationships out of it gave you. Yeah. Um, it was all really like a ripple effect and it was all happening at the right time. I wasn't planning. I had, I, I, I didn't, the thing about what I was doing was I didn't really have a plan because I was so young. I didn't really see too much further than the next day. And yeah. for me that worked out really well because I had school going on as well. So yeah. I was kind of just going day by day by day yeah. and things were just ticking along. And so, you know, I would meet a client and then I would, you know, do a really good job on their car. And then I would stay for an hour longer and show a little bit more of genuine interest into their life. And mm. that, you know, I'm not just here to wash their car that I actually really take a, a big interest in their life and what they do. And maybe if they'd be happy to provide insight into how I can learn from them. And I think that was one big lesson that I, I learned in, in my time in business is that by showing genuine interest and respect into people's lives mm. goes a long way. Definitely. Like that's, um, and I got that also from my dad is also massive in, um, sales side of it and we were actually want to call you actually you on as well it was a recent cascade event mm. call with david shine and if anyone out there doesn't know who david shine is david shine um founded australia's first unicorn and a unicorn if anyone else doesn't know is a company that is valued at a billion dollars and was generated pub privately so privately billion dollar valuation which is quite incredible That's so incredible. yeah yeah so we shared we got to share um and learn from a bit of his knowledge thanks to um the owner and the founder and ceo of frontline um and i'm super grateful for the opportunity but he basically was saying is that most of the business is done is not actually in the 15 minutes you do it here for like the actual business talk it's actually mm. in the 45 minutes 
talking about their lives, their family, mm. their relationships, what they do on the weekend, mm. the petty round of golf. Mm. Um, Absolutely. More their personal, personal life. And that's where you build those really good connections and relationships and just continue to stack up that rapport. Yeah. Because I learned as well is that trust is everything. And if yeah. you have someone's trust, they will willingly support you and help you and uplift you. Mm. So trust um, is very important. And mm. um yeah, we've kind of like built our relationship on a lot of trust and that's why yeah. we share a lot of what we do. Absolutely. But I think yeah. another thing that I really got from that webinar was when he said that if you are not embarrassed by your business concept, you've launched too late. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because when I first started, I cannot be more embarrassed when I look back. It was just, I've got photos of me standing yeah. in front of my wheelbarrow with my our shitty household very humbling experience with the wheelbarrow wheelbarrow yeah. and household vacuum cleaner and a sponge and some soap and you know that idea of being embarrassed by your first prototype of your first business of your first concept is the real measurement of how far you've come and yeah. i'm very very grateful for that and that's why it really resonated with me yeah because it just shows you how far you've come and yeah. you should just jump not not necessarily wait yeah you know it's good to have a plan but it's also good to just Put your foot in and just just 100%. start because once you start one foot will fall in front of the other yeah yeah that's that's like a massive concept that i also use um that can be placed very high importance on um because if you that's basically seeking perfection he also said in that call is that if you think perfection is a thing out there you are falsely mistaken because there's nothing from perfect mm. and i also struggled with the exact same thing i found in many businesses when i was younger and I overthought, overth I was overthinking crazily on them. Mm. I didn't go that far. And my dad always drilled into my head is that you can work in the business or you can work on the business. Mm. And I was working too much on the face of it, the flashy side of it, mm. where I wasn't actually working enough in it. Mm. And I was almost, it was actually a form of procrastination. And I could only realize that when you're just brutally honest with yourself and you have like a really underlying self-awareness. Yeah. And that's where the most growth happens in my opinion. Yeah. And you can say to yourself, I'm doing this wrong and I need to fix it. So when no one else can say it to you but yourself, and that's the most powerful thing in my opinion. But yeah, you can definitely relate to that sort of side of it and how, just how you progress as a person in business and life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now in saying all of that, we've spoken a lot about um, your journey through Luca Clean and like your, almost like your underlying young days. Mm. Um what would what would, be, what would be something that you would tell or give any younger person, say forty, even no, no, put no, put no age on it, but a younger Luca or just a younger individual, mm. some advice you would give them on? I would say starting their business. Consistency is key. Yeah, and as boring as that might sound, it's so important because just like anything, whether you're working out or you're trying to achieve a new personal goal in the gym or anything like that, if you're consistent, your goals will become more achievable as it allows you to work towards your vision. And I also say consistency is key because it also, consistency is almost like compounding. And compounding is really interesting because it always starts off small and even the first, you know, five, 10 compounds, mm. they're not that big. But once you start getting into the twenties, the thirties and forties, the amount of compounds, it becomes incredibly powerful. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
for me it's also like it's it's momentum it's a momentum game absolutely um and i say this also because like when i was younger i used to just throw shit at a wall mm. and just throw anything at the wall and see if it stuck and it didn't stick and i just kept getting beaten down just chipping chipping away at it mm. Mm. and i think the most like craziest thing that some person can do is basically to work at something with no results in sight mm. and just keep on keep on working and not getting beaten up about it you'll have your moments and your downs but just not stopping and giving up mm. and that's something i had to really learn um throughout my journey is that i literally just never gave up even when i saw no results um and that only happens if your vision is strong enough if you can see a stronger vision for something you will just work in a day in a day out without seeing anything but then when the day comes and momentum starts kicking in you're now stacking not just your small wins and habits you're stacking your massive mm. wins and that can be anything from a five thousand dollar deal all the way up to a fifty thousand dollar deal anything in your life that you would classify as a big win will boost your confidence mm. and you'd go into and you're now you're basically almost like leveling up in a sense because you know it's possible i think that's probably one of your strongest and scariest traits being able to work towards something without seeing tangible results and i think throughout school like you were saying you were just trying anything that came to mind and i think that in doing that and you tried and you tried and you didn't necessarily see results so you tried another thing that really shows you how strong you can be and how resilient you are when not everything is going the right way and business doesn't is as everyone would know listening to this podcast business is not an overnight thing and i think that when you were trying different things all the time and it's not working and you keep on going and you keep on going that builds a very resilient person that is very strong later on in business um and i think that that's one of your strongest traits and you know it's very very valuable thank you brother um yeah it just also teaches you to learn you just sponge it up like a like a sponge you're just learning as much as possible mm. and during school i found that my personal experience of school is that I've got a lot of um, the issues of school and how my experience with it was, but you can't like hang it up as the system it is. Mm. I had major resistance to it, mm. but I still went through it. Um, but during the basically entire school, I just put so much effort into self learning. Like I, self education is, like in my opinion, the biggest contribution to um, the person that I am, and it also is most likely to you as well. Mm. Because if you just also went off the school system and you absorbed what you were getting taught, yeah, you wouldn't be a person you are today. And there's no way that that would have happened. Mm. Um, you had to do something above and beyond that. Mm. I think for me, like sc school wasn't enough. Yeah, it just wasn't enough. I think I'm a person that needs to be stimulated quite highly most of the time. I, I can't I can't sit around and just yeah you know learn English. I need I always need something on the side and, and it's really, it's, it's part of my character where I'm, I'm always buzzing. I need something yeah. to work on because I, I find that, and like yourself, we're builders Yeah, and yeah. it's, it's so important for me to have something on the side that I know that I'm working towards. I think that really ties in with the way of the superior man by David Dedder. Um, when he says that a man's mission is the most important thing. Mm. Um, and I think that Aiden actually introduced me to that book it really opened my eyes up to myself in a way that, that really, a man. Yeah. yeah, because it showed me that I'm very purpose driven, you know, after 
working at this business like day in and day out, every afternoon after school, all weekend, I never really looked past the fact that I was just working and I was, you know, getting relationships and I was making some money. But when I stepped back and I, and I listened to this book, it really made me understand a bit more about who I was and that I'm, I'm extremely purposefully driven and I yeah. have a higher goal. And I think that as I started to slow down my business and sell, it really made me realize how important my mission was to me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and for yourself, I know you really well. There's no way that someone would go and do those things without something more internal and kind of driving you. Because mm -hmm. some of the stuff you do, it's not even healthy. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's like, why is he doing all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because there's something inside of him that he never truly understood. And then when he, we actually, you know, I got introduced by that book, it really, really shaped and gave me an understanding of like a man's true purpose and his, it's, it's a very good book and I'd highly recommend any, any man or woman out there that wants to understand more about, uh, um, the man and yeah. how he operates. Yeah. But, um, going back to also building, I think building is one of the most important things that anybody could honestly do in their younger life. Mm. Uh, and if I could give any advice to a younger, um, self or individual listening to this is just put your head down and build mm. scrape your knees and just learn because if you just try there's no hard doing and there's no wrong in that you'll learn and you'll speed up your success because you'll just keep failing and failing and failing um and the mistakes that you will make at 16 years old is some mistakes people will make at like 28 or like 23 mm. so you're short cutting yourself to success just because you start young and that's why i think that age is just a number and you should literally just start um yeah don't hold yourself back in a sense mm. yeah and i think also becoming becoming addicted to your art and your art being whatever you enjoy is also very important because throughout school when i was working i i found so much joy out of work it wasn't in fact it wasn't even work to me working on these beautiful cars and making relationships with these incredible people and learning so much from them, it became addicting. And at that point, when it started to become addicting, it became play. Yeah. It was no longer work, it was play. And that was when it was scary because I was working hours on hours on hours. And you're enjoying and, it. And I was so, and I was just enjoying myself. Yeah. No, that's definitely um definitely something that I <laughs> can also say was very, very um <laughs> enjoyable to watch and see mm. uh actually quickly before we actually jump to the next topic i remember you coming to school and you were like why are you doing this and you were like doing at least eight hours each day on the weekend yeah yeah you had no weekend life at some point and that's yeah. good and it's bad yeah but we learned too that you gotta as much as you work as much as you kind of like build you've got to enjoy yourself and mm. spend the time with people we find closest mm. and enjoy life as it is in the moment mm. Um, but yeah, let's, um, that's, that was a good point to jump onto all of the Luca clean story. And I feel like a lot of people that, um, kind of like know you in a sense have now a bit of an insight into like how it was created mm, and yeah. what was the process behind your thinking about Absolutely. Yeah. So that's really cool. I got to get that out of you in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Um, but now let's, let's carry a bit on the business side of it because I really want to talk about mainly in this podcast, your business journey and how we've come together as like friends and what we've mm -hmm. learned in regards to doing business and kind of like our relationship in a sense. Mm. So let's talk a bit about our most recent venture. Mm. Uh, yes. Nexus. Uh, called Nexus. 
Um, and let's just try and talk about how that was come to fruition, that where the idea came from and how that came to be and where we're currently at with it right now mm. in regards to it. So Nexus was, is currently, well, Nexus is an advertising agency. It's a marketing agency based in Australia and solely focuses on paid advertising. Mm. That's the entire surface level of it. The depth of it is that we basically, from a, from basically from school and like what we learned from running businesses in school is that you've got to choose the right business at the right time. Mm. Most things come down to timing and it's actually more important what you choose to do versus how good you're at at something. Mm. Cause you can be so good at a certain business, but the industry's like decreasing, it's falling yep. and you can go nowhere in it. So it's about mainly what you choose to do. And we came to realize that, like you said, with like basic underlying is that Luke Clean was a service-based business. It allowed mm. you to scrape your knees for months and months and before you got that first client. Mm. And we were introduced into the marketing world by, he hopefully is listening to this, a good friend from the UK named Matthew Huck. And Matthew basically reached out to Luca during our year 11 of last year, second last year of school. Yeah. And he said, I'd love to do marketing for your Luca Clean coffee business. Yeah. yeah. Um, that offer didn't really go anywhere because it wasn't, you didn't really need it. It was most, most like you said before, word of mouth. Yeah. Matthew opened us up to the marketing agency world and yeah, we just went down the rabbit hole in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then we went on to most young entrepreneurs will know this guy, Iman Gadzi, and that went down a whole nother rabbit hole and yeah, we just built it up from there. And let's there was, was your opinion, how you experienced the starting journey of the Nexus agency? Nexus was very exciting because it was my first business where I worked with someone and not not only someone my best friend um and it was very exciting to kind of put two minds together to, to create this you know incredible business um so we as Aiden said we kind of heard from Matthew and we kind of looked more into it through Iman Gadzi and we'd seen the opportunity and that there was a gap in the space and where we were and, and this specializing in this niche like Aiden said in paid advertising and so we kind of thought, okay, once we leave school, let's actually do it. Let's, you know, let's put our heads together and let's create this business. So it was an absolutely incredible experience doing this together. Um, and, you know, it consisted of late nights, setting up the business, creating the business name, getting the site set up, um, you know, actually picking each other's brains for once, you know, working together was such a fabulous experience, um, and, you know, as I'm sure Aiden can vouch for. Yeah, it was, um, it was, in my opinion, it was the first time I actually really worked with someone at, at like a very level in a sense. He was well, like you said, the best friend. Mm. We both were well equipped in knowledge we wanted to execute this for. Mm. And we just chipped away at it. And it was something that we just started after school. So we were like ready to go. I was very hungry. Um, and you were still um, doing Louis Clean, yep. but it was a smaller, much smaller percentage of your time. Yes. And... We went into it, the goal of doing it in a partnership and over time and as time passed, we initially thought that we could do it together yep. and simply because the person that you are, I know you're very like emotionally intelligent and most people can also vouch for this in a sense, very mature mm. individual um, and I thought that was going to allow us to kind of like work on it together. And I always knew in the back of my mind in regards to doing business with friends and family. Mm. And I will personally never do business with family in my entire life. That's yeah. something I will never 
do. Yeah. So yeah, I'll never, I'll literally just never, I'll never do business with friends or family again. And I'll explain the reason why with friends right now. I think Luke can explain that to me a bit better in regards to how he, it unfolded for him and his situation. Mm-hmm. So how did you find that? Bro? How was that? Um... So as we were leaving school, Aiden was fresh. He was hungry. He was ready to go. We'd been talking about business all throughout school. I had been running Luca clean on the side pretty much for the entire of my school career. Um, but as I was getting to the end of year 12, I was ready to step down, sell it off and start something new. And Nexus was the next best idea together with Aiden and I. So as I was stepping down from Luca Clean, one of my really great clients offered me this opportunity with someone in another business called Chrome Temple. And this was an incredible opportunity that I took up and I took it up at a very low level when, when the, the agency was established. But I quickly realized that it was going to take more time than I actually intended. Uh, actually in, intended. So this led to me not putting in enough that, that that was required to build a business as a partnership. And so Aiden and I, you know, assessed the situation, understood that the best the best the best option was to split the partnership, and for me to step out. And that was probably the best decision that we made together. Yeah. And we can we both can say that because. We had an absolute fabulous time building the business together mm-hmm. and, you know, we both walked away with, you know, very happy. Very happy. Um, and I always, always say I'm super grateful that actually happened because I learned the value of also business with friends um, at this age. It's probably mm-hmm. the best learning experience that could have possibly come from the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of people could have walked away, walked away from that, you know, resenting the other person or it mm-hmm. could have completely fallen, fallen apart the wrong way, but I think the two people that we are, it allowed us to understand that there was, it was only right, and it was the best possible thing for both for both of us, and I think that, like, that was such a positive experience, and I'm so glad it happened, you know, and it really just taught us that what's important is your friendship, and, yeah. not, and not the business. Yeah, yeah. So I always say is I can literally put, like, a million dollars in cash in front of you, and I wouldn't even think twice about it, like, going anywhere. Likewise. Um, so, yeah, I'll always take... Yeah, people keep closest and friends over any amount of money or any amount of opportunities mm. because those are temporary stuff that can come and go. Like you will never exchange what good relationships have in your life. Mm. And I feel like I think this entire entrepreneurial space is just so like money focused sometimes. Yeah. And we've learned that. Yeah. It's not everything. So yeah. yeah, value your life and different things in your life because there's so much more like powerful and more meaningful things in your life than that. Mm. Um, and it's also about like learning that and just evolving as a person to yeah. understand that. So that was the kind of basis of that. So it's good to cover on that and yes. talk about that experience. So I feel like anybody out there that has, is in a business or they're finding struggles, um, working with their friends or Communi- any- communication is key. Communication is key. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also like you think that you can like bring your friend up on stuff Yeah. in the moment you can't. So yeah. don't, yeah. That's something I learned. You can't actually directly be fully transparent with your friend yeah. because, yeah, that's it's hard to depend on someone when there's also like an effort level mm. and you can never be fully transparent with your like your best friend because mm. Mm. it's extremely hard and you can only really say that until you've actually been in the kind of situation. Yeah, but yeah, that was great experience. Um, and we touched on it before in that kind of like conversation, but I want to fully now dive into where you're currently at mm-hmm. in regards to Chrome Temple. 
So okay, that is just a name. It's just a yeah. What's the meaning behind that name, boy? So Chrome Temple is a vehicle investment fund. Um, I was put onto it through one of my clients through Luca Clean as I was concluding that business. Um, I started on as just being there and kind of understanding the business and seeing what it was all about. Um, and I quickly realized that it was something that was absolutely incredible and I definitely wanted to be a part of. Um, so as I said before, it's a vehicle investment fund, which is quite unique. It's the first in Australia. Um, so it's essentially where we look at vehicles and cars and motorbikes and the automobile as an asset class. So, you know, as a kid, for most of my life, and I can yeah. say for, for a lot of people, vehicles and cars are drilled into people as depreciating liabilities, essentially. Yeah. And they're just holes in your pocket. Chrome Temple redefines this, and it really shows vehicles' true potentials when performing as an asset class. So Chrome Temple's main mission and purpose, I would say, is to tuck away these last memorable last of the line VTOLs, V10s, V8s, we're talking Ferraris, Lamborghinis, you know, your old Mercedes, CLK, Black, Black Series, all these types of cars that tomorrow will no longer exist. You know, you've got Ferraris where there are 500 left in the world, you've got Mercedes where there are 200 left in the world. These yeah. are all the cars that we want to collect to bring to people's attention that they're not going to be around for much longer and they've stopped production. And this, is, and this is because of the European emissions choking all the manufacturing of these cars. So, you know, before we know it, everything will be electric. Yeah. And at this point, Australia, we, we don't really know this. We don't really know this just yet. We're too far away from everyone to realize that we're going electric. Yeah. And I think that Chrome Temple is the pioneer, pioneer in the space to show everyone that this is happening. This is going to happen. The world is going electric. And these cars are going to become prized possessions. Prized possessions, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've always, also back to thinking about being lied upon. I always I always knew the value of these cars. Mm. I knew that they were very high-end, expensive luxury cars. Mm. But I didn't know the true value behind it and the market mm. that it actually was. Yeah. I didn't know the scale of the market. Yeah. And now also through your work, understanding more and how powerful they are as investments and mm. what they can provide returns to mm. i mean this is this isn't an absolute fad this is happening this is real yeah you know these cars are disappearing they they have stopped being manufactured it's all about it's really all about scarcity and once people will realize and catch on to the idea that these cars aren't going to be around that much longer and the ones that are around are tucked away in someone's garage the prices are just going to soar yeah and it's inevitable yeah supply supply and demand yeah. Um, and I think I'd be, I also saw it like also the whole ideology of that a long time ago. Um, and like I said before, just coming to realization a lot more and more. Mm. Mm. I think the, the Porsche or just, I'm not going to throw, um, car brands out there in a sense, but I think the numbers of 2025, that's mm. like mm. the main year that everyone's going to try and really start pushing. Is that the limit or is that like when it's going to really start kicking in? Yeah. Most car brands are looking at 2025, 2030. Fully electric EV. to go fully yeah. electric and yeah. to stop the manufacturing of petrol and diesel cars. And it's yeah. mind blowing because that's only in the next three, five years time. Yeah. Um, I want to also touch on more about how the sense of which these, all these cars, they say you treat them like an asset class mm. and it's an investment. Mm. A lot of what Chrome Temple is, what is Chrome Temple exactly? Is it a 
do individuals have to buy into the fund to a specific car do or like mm. what's the current thing is it a group collective investment mm. like what is it exactly how is it structured so the way the fund operates is you there is a unit price and the unit price fluctuates to the returns of the cars yeah so in chrome temple we have an array of cars that are deemed return that, that, are, that are deemed to be able to make a return or profitable so you know the cars that we have in our fund aren't just your average show car they are the last of the line yeah. they're usually a v12 v10 or v8 naturally aspirated yeah. petrol or diesel vehicle um you know these cars have special characteristics like their story you know the sound of the tune the notes of their of their exhausts the colors where they've come from yeah if they've come from overseas if they're domestically found you know in australia it's all about their story yeah and it's it's how we can sell that story and you know create perceived value around that and i think that's really where the car market is going where as they become less and less and less there's more of a story and character behind these cars and they're not they're not just an asset they're they're history yeah. you know and and they become more and more history as there's less and less of them and i think that it's all really compounding as the awareness continues to grow yeah, like he says, it's all about the story and how the meaning behind the cars. I mean, for me, it's like when the first car that I like fully got obsessed about and I got like excited, truly excited about was the prancing, the prancing horse mm. and that red. It's like almost like Enzo says that if you give a tell a child to draw draw a car, he will color it red. Mm. So that was for me. It's like I've been kind of like born up in the Ferrari red mm. world, and that excitement for me seeing those cars it's kind of sad that in the next like say next decade there's not going to be those pure like i said v12s mm. v10s around because mm. mm. most of the most i presume most of the actual investors in the fund because it's almost like a mutual fund so it's like a, could you have like an index fund mm. yeah index fund not the best blue chip companies and blue chip blue chip companies in the stock market it's actually some of the most high-end blue chip cars correct yeah um so we, we, we invest in a spread of, spread, of exactly. many different cars, you know, they can be, you know, 2000s cars, they can be 1990s cars, they can be 1960s cars, they can be 1980s cars. There's a yeah. whole spread of different cars that we like to bring together to make the... The value of the almost Chrome Temple just itself, yeah. We like to diversify the portfolio yeah. to make sure that we have a bit of everything in there to ensure that, you know, we can make a return when possible yeah um i think another also thing you used to also told me about was it's results before results before romance yeah results before romance so that's the little mantra that we go by at chrome temple as many car enthusiasts and investors we all love the cars and i think at the end of the day what we're really trying to do is see vehicles as an asset class and you've got to really remove the emotion emotion. and i think that's that's in in all investments you have to do but for a car it's not a stock. You can sit in that car. You can rev that car. You know, you can feel the leather. You can smell the leather. You can look at the shine of the paint. Yeah. As much as they're beautiful, you really have to take away that romance and look at the results. Yeah. And if it's deemed to be, to, to create a return, you've got to sell it. As much as you love it, it's, it's, it's got to be sold. It has to be sold. And that's what's kind of like, that's what's a good business foundations for Chrome mm. Temple. Mm. If, if they put um, Romance before results, mm. there wouldn't be a Chrome Temple. No. And that's simply because the owner saw a vision yeah. and he saw the opportunity yeah. and no one else is doing it like it. It's literally like I always say, it's one of one. Yeah. It's such a 
unique business model. Mm. And I feel like it's it's very, very new mm. and it's Australian, but there's a lot of potential for it. And is I know for a fact that when my income level grows, I will definitely be investing in these sort of funds in Chrome Temple, hopefully, and mm. being a part of those, almost those um, assets, of like causes as assets. Mm. Um, I think also Chrome Temple is, well... While looking at cars, it's it's Chrome Temple is a perfect mix between the art and the science of cars. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of story behind the cars, but there's also a lot of science and data behind the cars. You know, how many are left? What does this mean? You know, what is what are the market what is the market saying about these cars? Deem it was deems it valuable. Exactly. You talk about perceived value and what, what people are saying this is worth and what it's not worth, and it's all about combining the, their story and their art and the history of the car to the data and the, the, the market values and this kind of stuff. And, and together, we're able to create the fund. Yeah. That's, that's literally what, in, in its essence, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to just put him on the spot here, but you know him as well. One of our friends, Harry Contreras, if he's also listening to this, mm-hmm. I remember having many having good conversations with Harry about that sort of side of the car market. And Harry's got a very good, he's, his actual granddad has a very, very classy, Mercedes Benz. I don't know the specific model. Do you know the specific model? The model? Uh, it's an SL three hundred. SL three hundred. So Harry's got a um, Harry's got an SL three hundred Merc. Yeah. And I remember having a phone call with Harry for at least an hour and a half, and we're talking about the entire concept of like what his the SL three hundred returns that's providing mm. him and his family, mm. um, and then tying that to Chrome Temple and just the entire like concept and idea. Mm. So, and he was drilling into me that even though this um, this business is backed by car enthusiasts. If you put those returns in front of the faces of, say, investment bankers mm. and actual just wealthy individuals that want to make a very, very, very handsome return, mm. it's a no-brainer mm. and they would be drooling for those returns mm. and no one would believe it was the car market mm. and that specific side of the car market. Yeah, um, And that was... I came to a massive realization is because they have those, especially those type of people, they have no emotions. Car yeah. enthusiasts are more attached to those as vehicles. Yeah. So that's why I think the, the business model also has a lot of potential. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully many, many people get some insight into the car market mm-hmm. um, and what it like is because like you said before, no one knows about it mm. and everybody's talking about different investments mm. and ways to make money in that sense. But nobody is talking about the car market mm-hmm. um, and those sort of sides of cars. Yeah. So thank you, bro, for um, giving us an inside scoop on that. Of course. Um, but yeah, let's just keep talking about let's keep let's keep it with the investment side of it. Let's talk more about investments mm. um, and just our kind of like experience investing uh, over the past year, even like two years and now, and a kind of like bit of our outlook on how, where we see putting our money yeah. in the future. And yeah, I think you, I was coming from a service-based business. So I think my perception of creating money and passive income was very foreign. Um, as through service-based and me working, it was me using X amount of my time and getting X amount of money. And I think that when we met, you really introduced me to the idea of passive income and how you can put your money to work. And so I think that you have really had a big influence on my investing life. Not that it is significant at all, but I'm definitely more aware of how to put your money to work. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it also goes back to the point where you focus on one service-based business very, very well. Mm. And then I just basically kind of like had a bit of drifter syndrome. I moved mm. to a lot of places. It didn't really do me that much benefit in that moment mm. in regards to income-wise. And because I will always say this to anyone that out there, focus on one thing and do it very well. Stick mm. with it because mm. you will, the biggest results are yielded through staying with something and focusing on one thing. Mm. Um, but that did teach me, I learned across a wide variety of things. Mm. Um, and that built a teach, it taught me how to learn in a sense and like the value of learning and educating yourself. Um, and I started mainly investing and this is like going to sound super corny as well, but during COVID's collapse, like that's what mainly put me in the market when the market was literally that bad. Mm. Um, and I actually remember investing during online zoom classes and making, I think it was like, like $300 over religion. Yeah. yeah. And that was almost like a joke. <laughs> uh, and that opened me up to investing. Uh, but I was making, I was making good money, but it was easy to make good money because it was such a bull market and anyone can make money in those markets. But it did teach me the basic foundations um, of investing. So I just educated, I learned and I read investing books, mm. anything I got my hands on, I just learned. I just, mm soaked and exhausted up the knowledge up and now i've lost my fair share and you've kind of also seen the big wins of investing and the, putting your emotions on the line and then also completely becoming emotionless mm. from losing a significant amount of money that comes with that yeah. um and for us that definitely was a lot of money um during that time frame yeah. since we're so young yeah uh but yeah it's all uh, learning it's all learning game I, um, let's also just dive into also reading quickly. Yeah. So I really took, um, reading seriously, just the whole learning aspect. I think, um, the last beginning of last year, and that was very sad as I look back at it because I wish I started sooner. And I think everybody in all aspects say they wish they started sooner, mm. but for me, I just started reading and we'll quickly tie into this, but. I lost the love for reading as well as school. School mm. ruined that for me. And that's not a lot of people may want to hear that, but school ruined reading for me and it actually ruined my that side of learning in my life. Yeah. Uh, and I only truly started to learn, like I started loving to read after I started reading what I actually love. And I think it's a good quote by Naval. Mm. He says, people, he says um, read what you love until you love to read. Yeah. And I drill that in, like always, I value that quote so highly because it's a purely defined um, word of my and quote of my experience mm. but I yeah, just dived into reading and I learned so much more and the saying goes that if you want to learn from the best people you there's so much wisdom and knowledge in the books of men and women of past centuries yeah and just tapping into a slither of that mm. you can learn anything from your fitness to health to business, to investing, anything in your life that you want to improve, there are books out there to learn that. Yeah. And even though I read a lot, uh, you struggled to read. Yeah. So and I think... Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a bit more about that. Like investing, you also kind of taught me the value in reading. I always kind of steered clear of reading and it wasn't only up until about 17 that I realized why it was so hard for me. Um, I was actually diagnosed with like quite strong dyslexia, which actually makes a lot of sense throughout my schooling life, why I wasn't necessarily academically strong. Um, but 
you know, having this brought to my attention was actually a really great opportunity for me to kind of look at what, okay, okay, this is why I'm not reading as much or why I, I struggle to read. How can I, you know, find the same value, you know, that Aiden might be getting from reading a book. So I didn't read as much. What I did was I, you know, overcame that and used audiobooks, which was like really, really good for me um, because, you know, it allowed me to, you know, take in all the information while, you know, being able to learn it in your way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was, yeah. I, I found lots of value, you know, in reading as well. Um, and I, I know that Aiden has done a lot of reading in philosophy. Yeah, that's um, a, a big one I enjoy a lot of. That I've yet to, yeah, you know, I've yet to tap into that. But, you know, from what I've heard, I think, you know, there's just incredible value in books. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's completely understated. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we always used to joke about as well in regards to dyslexia. We say, like, most of the billionaires on the planet are dyslexic. Yeah, I don't so, know. Look, you never you know. know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. Um, but you put me onto so many different podcasts. You were like, you gave me all the good podcasts. Mm-hmm. I gave you the good books. Yeah. You gave me all the good podcasts. Yeah. And in my opinion, you can get even, even potentially even more value from podcasts. Yeah. Because it's more refined. Mm. But I think that in general, it comes down to the underlying principle of learning and constantly learning. Mm. And you should be, in a sense, I'll try to pride myself on a lifelong learner because I just enjoy learning and mm. you just grow in that sense. Mm. But yeah, let's talk more about um, also learning side of it and kind of like the traditional system of learning and education. Because mm. um, I know I'm not in uni myself yet, yep. but you are currently in uni. What's been your experience so far with uni, bro? Yeah. So in year 12, I was kind of like, I'm not really sure. God, I don't know whether I'll, whether I'll make it in. If I do make it in, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? Um, so I was kind of like, look, I'm just going to give it my best shot. So I narrowed in on one university and this university is called ICMS. It's located in Manly on the Northern Beaches. Um, I really honed in on this uni because it catered to my learning style, which is we, they don't do exams at the, at the university. It's only like hand in assessments, which is really good for me because I'm not great with time pressure and stuff like that. Um, so once I'd honed in on the course, which I'm doing a bachelor of business, uh, I worked out that the uni is actually very well renowned for its scholarships. So I decided that I would leverage my, you know, outside of school life, which was my strength. And I used my business, my relationships that I found for my business and all of my knowledge and opportunities. And I kind of funneled that all into this scholarship program. And I was actually really lucky enough to receive the scholarship at ICMS, which has just been absolutely incredible. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost put an, it, it has put a price tag to the time spent you know, doing the hard work, you know, I was always paid for the work I did it yeah. you know, with my work, but it really, it, 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 it did, it put a price tag to all the time that I spent, you know, not necessarily doing the work I wanted to do or, you added, know, it's added reward in a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'm in my first year at ICMS, um, in my third trimester. So I've got a little under 13 weeks left for this year. Um, business I'm studying. It's okay. It's dry. But, you know, it's all elementary lessons that I think are very applicable mm-hmm. and important to, you know, the business world. Um, and I think that the course that I'm studying is a very well-refined course. So, you know, it's only teaching the stuff that you need to know rather than just, you know, hand-over-hand information that isn't necessarily relevant. Um, and you only, you only have assignments as well. There's no actually... Yeah. This whole point is that I had... One of the big things I hated was regurgitated knowledge, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. sitting down and writing a test. Yeah. But... 
it's just regurgitating it. Yeah. So it's awesome. That's also a very good side of it, um, as well as the experience side. Yeah. Um, but I, I chose uni because I think that I wanted to, I essentially wanted to reaffirm the knowledge that I taught myself throughout my years in my business. Um, and I wanted to just kind of set in stone the theory behind, you know, what I'd been doing and, and, and to further my knowledge in fact. And so, you know, and, and I, and I am getting all of that from studying at the university. Not everyone is going to get that. I'm not pro university. It's working well for me. You know, it's different for everyone as you would understand. Um, you know, but you know, I'm sticking it out. Yeah. You gotta know, but you gotta, you gotta, if all, well, for me is that if I would go any type of, especially tertiary education and you did this because you made your decision, you weren't influenced by anyone else. You do it by yourself. Mm. I would go to say university to actually learn. I wouldn't go there to get a piece of paper and mm. then go work, whatever with that. I would actually go there to learn. And mm. like, like you said, you actually take that knowledge and you make it sure it's applicable. Mm. Um, so that's something that I would only go to university is to actually go there to learn. Because mm. for me, school, like just general school, I wasn't going there. Some of the content I had no relevance in. Mm. Didn't have any other value outside of school. Uh, as a yeah, as a school, but the subjects that I got the most out of is I actually enjoyed learning, and I actually went there with the intention to learn it, um, and that's the most powerful thing. That's why I feel like everybody most underlying the best education out there is self education, mm. and that's simply because you're putting into an environment you actually want to be in. If you're not, if you don't want to be in, they're not gonna you're not gonna try. You're not gonna actually apply yourself. Yeah. So definitely agree on that sort of side of it. And uh, I, I, you know, on that point of. You saying if you don't want to be there, you're not going to learn. I really respect you because we both left school at the exact same time with essentially the same mindset, and I went off to uni and you didn't. And I really respect you for that choice because most people, you know, put their head in the sand and just go to uni because they don't know what to do and they're scared. You know, I respect you for being able to make your own decision and go. I'm not ready for that yet. I need time. I need time to think, and you know that's one thing that we do have time. So yeah, yeah. you know, I really you know, props to you for, you know, taking the time and, you know, whatever decision you make now, you, at least you can say that you, you know, took the time to think about it properly and that you are going to make the decision that is best for you in your future. Yeah. Thank you, bro. I appreciate so, it. Um, you guys well. We had a very, very good call. You were there in person, but I was on the Zoom mm. with uh, one of your clients, a very, very nice client. Oh, yes. And she just shared some of her knowledge and what she found valuable in school and tertiary education in her life. And she basically said that unless you are building a startup or like a massive, massive business mm. in regards to our situation and what we want to do, mm. she thinks the university is valuable mm. because you're still in that environment, you're still learning. For me, it's like I, there wasn't, it wasn't as clear for me in regards to what I had, tangible stuff I had when she said that. Yeah. But looking back and like sitting here now and saying it is that I can comfortably say that I've got one business that is about to scale very, very hard mm. and I'm hopefully looking to be rewarded for my efforts yep um and then another one that's currently speaking on this podcast as we are right now um cascade um i'm treating as a startup so i'm putting a lot of time and effort into those things and that's taking up most of my days mm. and that's kind of believe what she kind of instilled uh in valuing what you the time you value what you want to create and just back to building and mm. just putting your head down and build um and yeah we can touch on all that stuff in many many more podcasts to come yeah 
but it's a, a very exciting project that I'm grateful for yourself to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, closest friend, best friend, always a part of it as you're like an advisor in Nexus mm -hmm. and you're a part of like the higher board in Cascade. Yep. Uh, so I always take your word um, and your advice on basically all my decisions. I appreciate it. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you on this podcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me. And... I'm excited to see where it goes, and I'm, excited, I'm really excited to see where you go in the coming months. In the coming thank you, years. thank you, thank you. I think we do definitely need to have a podcast and I'll sit down sometime in the near future because there's going to be a lot of growth going to happen on your part. Absolutely. There's a lot of change coming in the next few months, so yeah, I'd be yeah, definitely yeah. happy to sit down. and. Yeah, we did discuss what our plans were for the future, so I'm yes. excited to say that we will have you on the podcast again Yes. very, very soon, um, and I hope everyone are tuning into this. Uh, listening, it found immense value in it, and it's been a good one, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you, guys.